proudest day and the proudest time and the, the seat of a relic here. Because that day and that hour and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. That's all we said. I can still picture that run. That was just the best, best run ever. Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast. You know, what can we say? It's a quiet time, there's not much happening on the stages, but we're going to keep talking. <laughs> um, you know, we had the absolute pleasure of catching up with Bex William and uh, Luke Barry. Connor, like, what can we say? You know, two ultimate professionals talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> Alec, we, it was a chance for us to learn something. Yeah, I don't know what we, we, you know, we probably should have learned more. <laughs> we should have listened more to the talk of that. <laughs> no, uh, two consummate professionals and, you know, and we're rallying. There's no other nice way of putting it. That's just what they are, the, you know, the cream of the crop. Like Bex, you know, the ultimate pro. And, you know, if we could just sit back and just enjoy what she says, like she is a wordsmith. Uh, her voice is synonymous with the sport. It's a pleasure listening to you. Oh, look, I could sit and listen to Bex for hours, if not days, and, and you know, do when WRC Plus is on. Um, but just the stories that Bex has, the knowledge that Bex has, uh, she can bring us the personality. She can tell us what goes on behind the scenes. So it's lovely to sit down and to hear, you know, her thoughts and her views on 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 basically WRC or, or the sport we love. Yeah. And look, you know, he seems to be one of those guys that's been about for the last 30 years. And like, we, we forget he's not even turned 30 yet. Like, for somebody so young, he has such knowledge. Listen, it's incredible what he knows. Really is, you know, deeply versed in the sport. Knows his stuff inside out. Not afraid to give an opinion. And, you know, most of the times it's a really accurate and knowledgeable opinion as well and and you know value what luke has to to say and contribute when you read his writings or you know you hear him on a podcast or whatever or not just our own um so you know very well informed guy and a lot of time from yeah and like you know he like the two of them so given of their time you know this was recorded in the days of christmas and like 101 things to do we all have 101 things to do and the days leading up to christmas but to take the time out and come and talk to us and you know give us their thoughts it just blows my mind yeah look you know again as you say it's a busy time of the year they were very very giving very generous of the time and it was lovely to hear i suppose uh, reflect on the year that we've had in 23 and looking ahead to, to what's coming in 24 yeah i think we'll catch up with that'll be first of all we'll hear from bix it's been a difficult year in some many ways. It, it has been a very difficult way. I, I think a difficult year in, in one way in, in particular. Um, you know, before we can even really look back at anything that happened in, in 2023 competitively, WRC. And, and I've been finding myself a lot in like the last week when I've been thinking back across the scene, I can think of one thing and one thing only, and that is losing Craig Breen. And I know, you know, difficult to start our conversation on, on a tough topic. But Craig was so close to so many of us, and it's 
I still can't believe <laughs> right now that he's he's not here anymore. And I, I think that's been, it's been a really, really hard thing to deal with for obviously his family, his close friends, for, for everyone in the rallying community to have lost such a lovely guy, such a great character. It's it's the one thing that stands out from the season for me. I, you know, I can think of nothing else, especially this time of year. I think when, you know, you're drawing loved ones closer and, and someone's missing. And, you know, for many people who have lost someone, they, they understand what that feels like. And, you know, I really feel for the whole Breen family at this time of year in particular. Um, yeah, miss Craig every day. I miss the texts, the random texts he used to send me about burning his mashed potato. How can you burn mashed potato, <laughs> Kevin? I still don't quite understand. I'm never going to know now, am I? <laughs> but, you know, I miss all those little things about him, um, as well as obviously the competition and seeing all the joy from that side. I miss miss the friendship, miss the randomness of the, the stuff we used to send each other. And yeah, it's it's a difficult one to, to look back on. Yeah, because I know you're you're not supposed to have you know favourites or whatever, but there was always like a a sparkle in your eye and a sparkle in his, and there was a bit of devilment yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to have favourites, and genuinely, you know, when I'm when I'm commentating, when I'm doing my job, I don't. Everyone's like, "Oh, you want Elvin Evans win because you're Welsh," and yeah, okay, we're from the same country. I like Elvin a lot, but I love competition, and you know, I want to see you know best person win that there. But Craig, it was, I don't know, it was something different. I think probably because of the way we met um, and, you know, the, the friendship that we had. And he always, I always felt like I was looking out for him. Whenever I would see his mum, Jackie, she'd always say, oh, you know, look out for my boy and thank you for looking out for my boy. And, you know, we, we know he's okay when you're around. And it did feel like that. I always felt like I had a little casting eye over him and he was... Yeah, you know, he's a cheeky guy and he was great company. Even though I felt like I was looking out for him, I always thought he was the same age as me. I never thought that he was younger than me in any way, shape or form. And he was many, many years younger than I, <laughs> than I am. Um, but, you know, he never felt that difference with Craig because he, you know, appealed to such a, a vast spectrum of people. His love of 80s music, I think, is, is one of the things that made him seem older. And he had such a massive love of 80s music. It was... Touching and quite embarrassing at times when he would, you know, <laughs> butt out the old, uh, well, Bonnie Tyler or whatever uh, when it came on the radio. If we were in the car together, he did love his music and 80s in particular. And one of the things we always wanted to do, and it's such a regret now that we didn't do it. We almost did it around Finland one year, which was to sit Craig and Yari Matty down together. Because Yari Matty's a huge 80s music buff as well. So is Craig. And we thought, put them together and we could just, you know, get them kind of firing off competition questions against each other. And we almost did it at Rally Finland maybe three years ago, I think. And I can't remember what had happened, but we couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, I think that would have been epic. I think I probably would have gone with a Yari Matty win there maybe because his knowledge of everything was just incredible but Craig was pretty good on his 80s as well so I think it would have been close. And does their driving ability match their singing ability? <laughs> well, they're very, very different driving ability. <laughs> Definitely. Very harshly different styles. And I think Yari Matty would be saying that he is definitely the wilder of the two if you were to compare them in, in that sense. But... There were many, actually, when you think about it now, 
they were quite similar in 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 their passion for the sport because we know how much Yari Mati loves his rallying and that's all Craig knew and loved. I remember him telling me once it was a funny incident that we had. I can't remember which rally we were at, but a New Zealand journalist had turned up. It was the year of the Rugby World Cup. So we're talking now four years. Was it Rugby World Cup? Yeah, it was. Or maybe it was the build-up to the Rugby World Cup. Anyway, Ireland had just beaten the All Blacks, basically, which is a huge thing, you know, to, for Ireland to beat the All Blacks. Massive. So this Kiwi journalist sits down with Craig. I'm at the table as well. And he said, first thing I've got to say, Craig, is, you know, congratulations on the, on the win. And Craig was a bit like, what's he talking about? <laughs> what's he talking about? <laughs> Thinking, have I won something? And I, I knew exactly what he meant. So I was like, rugby Craig oh right <laughs> we don't we want something have we also have, he's beaten the all blacks oh he said if it doesn't have an engine I'm not interested <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just I just remember sitting there going oh how could he not know I would beat the all blacks but he totally he was that you know if it didn't have an engine he really wasn't the least bit interested and yeah him and Yari Matty very similar in that that sense in that passion you know, for, for motorsport, for rally in particular, was so, so huge. And it's what I think really appealed to everyone out there who watched him, listened to him. It's just his absolute joy and his love of, of the sport, um, which is, it's a big miss for us now because it infuriates me sometimes that people say, we have no characters in rallying anymore. And you think, well, we lost a huge one this year and you didn't appreciate him when he was here. So open your eyes, people, and look because there are characters around. You're just not seeing it the way you should. And look, to, to bring you in, you know, what would you say Craig's legacy is? Or, or is it too early to tell? Or, or you know, is there is there a definitive thing we can we can say about him? I don't think it's too early, sadly. I think with all of these things, naturally there comes a point where... As Beck said, for me as well, I didn't know Craig particularly well, but it, it's still very hard to believe what happened to happen. doesn't feel like it. You do kind of just sort of feel like you can, you're can you going to see him somewhere. But we know, unfortunately, that's that's not the case. But I think the thing that really warms my heart now is the, the formation of the Craig Breen Foundation, which is effectively an idea Craig had himself. He, he'd already made steps to try and support the, the next up-and-coming breed of of Irish drivers, even a few days before before the accident, he he was there at a test day helping Mullet, completely a surprise and a completely off his own bat. Nobody asked him to do it. And I think that's a very great encapsulation of the man as well. Just his passion for rally went far beyond his own career and his own interest. It was for for everyone. But he he was just the most giving soul I think you can imagine as as that typified. But it's little things like as Beck said, we're not meant to have favourites and we don't have favourites, but he gets to a stage end and you felt like you'd sat in that car with Craig. And I think that's the <laughs> thing that really sets him apart from others because none of us here know what it's like to be competing in a, a WRC car, a Rally 1 car. We, we don't have the skills or the money to do that. But we felt like we with, with we, we were Paul Nagel for, for those however many kilometres that were, were there. He It was a really special gift that he had to be able to relate to so many people and it's difficult if you're at that level to truly relate to everybody else because you are kind of held up on a a pedestal with everybody and and so you would be but Craig was always just Craig he was never Craig Breen the the WRC star it was Craig Breen the man the the driver he was just Craig Breen 
um i've kind of gone off on a slight tangent there Connor, but <laughs> i think it's great i'm enjoying it like keep going <laughs> but he he was yeah i i, I shouldn't come across or preach or offering advice but i think if there was anything we could all learn from craig it's just to appreciate what you've got and enjoy what you have in front of you he was always brilliant that even last year when things mm. were difficult you always sensed it there was catch at the right moment he was he was still craig you could see within him and it's for that i'm just so glad that that he and i guess we all got to see sweden this year as well it was i remember i, I can't it was i can't remember what stage number it was but it was the bratby stage we all know the famous clip he gave seb marshall but I find myself watching that back on repeat just mm. afterwards because I just felt such a a warm sensation watching it. I could feel the joy radiating in, into me with what he was having, and it was it was just so nice to see a driver back to the level he should have been at. So it's very hard to put into words. I think, as somebody told me, and embarrassing, can't remember who it was, but I'm, I'm sure Ireland will find another world-class rally driver but you won't be able to find another Craig Green I think that's the ultimate way to put it he was one of a kind um but I'm really happy to see that to go back on myself and look I'm really happy to see that the investment is being put into to help the youngsters because it's what Craig ultimately wanted to happen so I think it's, it's brilliant we've managed to get that system on board and I guess the ultimate way to pay tribute to it would be to get another driver back to where Craig was because that's what he would have loved most to see himself and and Bex, you know, sitting in the commentary box and goes to stage end and, and you know, like I'm sure there was an anticipation. What's Craig going to come out with next? Mm. There always was, um, you know, good or bad, actually, but more the good, you know, especially when you knew you had a good time and you could see the splits. You knew it was either going to be third, second or fastest. You, you didn't know what was going to happen. But I still remember the stage end, actually, when, Things had gone wrong in Rally Sweden last year. And, you know, they, they'd gone off pretty early on and they'd come back and uh, uh, restart rules. And we were on board with them at the start of a stage. And we could see that they were looking, both Paul and Craig were smiling and, and looking to the side. And then they started laughing. So they're looking at something in the field that's adjacent to them. And Craig says something like, oh, they look like they're enjoying that. And we're thinking, what? We can't see because we've only got on board. What the hell are they talking about? And they, they were just meandering then through the stage. They weren't setting any real pace. I think it was Sunday evening. And, uh, you know, the only thing we were talking about in commentary was what on earth were they talking about, obviously, at, at the start of the stage. So they get to the end, and I think it was Marshall again. Um, and he was he was struggling, I think, at that point, actually, with what to ask them because they had nothing to fight for. They were just waiting for the power stage. So he said, oh, you know, forget about the time. He said, we're more interested in what on earth was going on at the start. And he said, oh, you, you saw that, did you? Um, he said, oh, a marshal was eating a sandwich in, in the field at the side of us. And it was a big baguette and they were really chewing down on it. And, you know, Paul and I thought, oh, that looks really nice. But we wouldn't like it if it had butter on it because neither of them liked <laughs> butter. <laughs> And it was just like the raw honesty of him saying, you know, saying about the sandwich, but even saying about the butter as well. It's because he was so real. It was always a real answer that you got from Craig, be it good or bad. It was always real. And I think, like I said before, you know, that was why he had so many fans around the world. He appealed to so many people because he was this down-to-earth chap who was doing extraordinary things in a rally car. Um, and, you know, you could go up and talk to a Craig in the service park anywhere you found him and he would have a chat with you 
Um, and, you know, sometimes to his detriment as well, because he's talked to anyone. And actually very similar to Yari Matty in this sense. They're both <laughs> very similar characters. You know, you'd have to be pulling Craig away from people. He'd be stuck with someone for 30 minutes while they've told him their life story. And he's, you know, nodding away and, and he's taking it all in. And you're like, come on, let's go, <laughs> let's go. But he, he would never, you know, break them off and say, oh, I've got to go. He was always like that. He was... He loved chatting to people. He loved chatting to rally people. And yeah, getting him through a service park was quite a difficult job because he would happily talk to anyone and everyone. And oh, I, he's, I can't express how much he's missed. I love talking about him because it feels like, you know, we, we're keeping him alive in that sense because we're talking about him so much. And I could wax lyrical for the entire of this podcast <laughs> on Craig alone. I mean, I've spent the past few days looking back through pictures of the year videos and I've sent some off to Jackie that I found of Craig, just random stuff we've done together over the years. And there's a little video which I think I'm gonna post this week of him when we were in New Zealand. Again, it's a rugby thing. We went to New Zealand his first time and first day that we got there, we all went to Eden Park, um, which is the big rugby um, stadium in Auckland to watch the All Blacks play Australia. Huge game. We had VIP passes. We met the team. It was incredible. Craig, it all just went over the top of his head because he didn't really understand what was going on. But before we actually got there, we had something called the All Black Experience where, so it's Craig, Aaron was there as well, Paul, Scott, and Alvin. We all got All Black shirts with our names on and we got a chance to you know kick the ball over the post in like this this huge room and we learned all about the All Blacks. So Craig had a, had a go at kicking, never kicked a rugby ball in his life. And he kicked it and he managed to wedge it in the wall, which was at the back. It was all like a digital kind of thing. And he's just laughing his head off because he out of everyone has managed to wedge the ball. Um, and I, I found that the other day and it just, just brought me joy just looking at him laughing. So I, I send it off to the family because anything I find, it's like you send it off and Jackie likes to receive anything if she hasn't seen it before because obviously, you know, she wants to see as much of him as possible. And I think we all do. Every, you know, like Luke mentioned, just re-watching that rally, Sweden Joy. It brings us joy watching that. And a couple, you know, there's sabs there, but my God, Craig knew how to live and he lived to the fullest and there's no better evidence than that stage end footage of him laughing away and truly enjoying driving and life. And I think, you know, that's the way we should remember him. For sure. So Craig, wherever you're at, keep the smile there and keep looking down on us and looking after us, you know. So but I suppose Absolutely. We, yeah. And stay away from the rugby balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, 2023, like uh, Kelly Rovenpera, you know, what can we say? This guy, what, 23 years of age, a double world champion. It's it's unbelievable. Like, I, I was chatting to Mark Higgins the other day, and he says whenever he was coming up through, you had to be in your 30s and 40s to get yeah. into a works team. And then by the time he got that age, it was suddenly then, you know, you had to be in your 20s. He's tore up that again. You have to be in your early 20s, late teens to be a, a future world champion. It's unbelievable what he's achieved. I think he's torn up the rule books in, in many, many different ways with what he's done with his career and also what he's doing now mm. by taking a step back. 
Um, there's no rule book written that says you have to stay in this championship for 10 years and rack up to wins like they're going out of fashion. And I'm really glad that he has been brave enough to say, actually, I want to do something else with my life, as well as doing some rallying. There are other things I want to pursue and being bold enough to go off and do it. And actually, when I recorded the Backstories podcast with him, which was the year that he won the championship, but in the May of that year, I think, so well before he won the championship, um, he said in that podcast, he said, I'm not going to be like other drivers. He said, I'm not going to be here for 10 plus years. He said, there are other things I want to do with my life. My family and my friends are really important to me, and I, I don't want to let that slide. And I remember finishing the podcast and straight away ringing um, Jared, who looks after all our communications and website and everything. And I, he, he's my contact with the podcast. And I rung him and I said, he's not going to be around long. I said, from what I've just heard, he is not going to be around long. And it was like, oh, okay, let's see, let's see. And, you know, lo and behold, it, it's played out. I mean, he's had a great season. It took him a little while to get going. And I think that played on his mind a little bit at the start of the year, that the wins weren't coming straight off the back. Um, he did say at the end of the season that he tried very much to shut out the negative comments that he saw online. And we've got to remember, he's still a young guy. He is still reading those comments online. He's still looking and, and trawling through stuff, maybe not as much as he was. But like a sword, he's only human. You're going to do that. Mm. And he said he tried to ignore journalists. He ignored the written press, what people were saying about him, and just focused on himself. Um, I, I think he's extraordinary. Um, I like him as a person. He's uh, His character is really interesting um, for me because he's still very young in many ways, but also far more mature than others who are way older than him and others. Um, for example, in Sweden this year. Sorry, Luke, I'm talking loads. I'm going to let you <laughs> chip in straight after this bit, I promise. <laughs> um, in Sweden this year, he... The, when was it? No, sorry, it wasn't this year. It was. It would have been last year. Um, when war broke out with Ukraine. Um, yeah. It was. It was last year. Um, he said at the end of the power stage, you know, he, he wasn't going to celebrate. Um, you know, because my, my thoughts are, are with the, the people in Ukraine, and I, I was watching it because I don't commentate on the power stage, and I cried. Because it was like, wow, a full respect at 22 mm. years of age to be able to to stand there and, and say hugely eloquently, I've really done an injustice with what I've just said here. But to say that, to stand up in front of, you know, world television and say that, I thought, you know, good on you because you're the only one to have really vocally said that throughout the weekend. Not that anyone else had to. It's, it was all happening as we were in Sweden. But he was the one that, that made the point of doing it. And I thought that was a lot. And I respect what he's done uh, taking a partial season. Yeah, because look, this is, the, you know, as Bette said there, he's not conventional. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't play by the rules as such, you know. Yeah, he's we talked. He's very talk... much his own man, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we talked about characters earlier with Craig and I think Callie is actually one of those it's potentially quite is misunderstood too strong a word I don't know but I think a lot of people perhaps at home don't fully get the full 
Cali because when he's in rally mode, he's very focused. He does his his thing. But there there are the odd snippets here and there that you, where I think it's quite obvious the kind of guy he is. He is, as you mm. said, there he's his own man. He's he's fun. I remember distinctly the the stage end, and I love a stage end comment as you can maybe tell. But the stage end in Chile this year when he was stuck behind. Gregoire Munster and he made this incredible line of comparison to Mario Kart which none of us would have thought was coming but it just came out of nowhere but he Cali he's had everybody knows how early he started his career I think he's possibly had potentially and I could be forgetting somebody here but I can't think of many drivers that have had as much hype at such a young age as Robin Perra did I think even before we'd reached WRC, we'd all decided he was going to be a world champion. It was that kind of level of of pressure almost, I guess. So he's got to deal with that for his entire mm. life. And and as we said, like he's he's 23 years old. But if you're put into that situation, it's, it's as if he's like 10, 15 years older. In reality, he actually is because he's missed out on all these things that you would normally do as a as a youngster. I've certainly had my fair share of of things that I wouldn't be doing now in a professional environment <laughs> that you get out of your system when you're younger because it's what you do. You have that chance to do it, but Robin Perra hasn't. And I remember, I can't remember when it was now, maybe a couple of weeks ago on his Instagram story. It just, it really hit home just what a kind of chilled guy he is. There was, I think he was playing Call of Duty for the morning and then he ended up at McDonald's at his Porsche in the evening. And I just thought, you know what? Good on you, you living <laughs> life. I love this from you because it was, he can do what, what you like, he's earned that position to do what he likes. In, in terms of the driving this year, I think we did see a very different side to his approach last year, and it would be wrong to say that he had it easy because he still had to do the job that he had. But he's been the first to admit that the competition wasn't quite as strong to start the year, probably unexpectedly so. Maybe not so much. We all knew about Hyundai struggles, but Elvin it was a bit of a slower start to yeah. rally one life. So Cali kind of had a chance to break away. But this year... There was four of them, ten, sort of five if you kind of in there for a bit. That were all properly fighting for it. And it was just a matter of I think it was eleven points separated five of them at one point of the year. It was that close. Yeah, he really had to dig deep to find that advantage, which he managed to do. I think it was a potentially very underrated campaign for him because I think the problem is when you're this good, people start expecting stuff from you. But the fact he's still doing it is incredible for me. And and as you said, Bex, I think. Any driver should be entitled to whatever they like. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have choices. But if anybody's earned a, a bit of a break, for me, it is Robin Perra. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. He, he he does want a bit of a break from it, I think. But he also wants to explore this this drifting side of things. I know he had to miss, I think, three rounds this year because of clashes with WRC. And who knows, maybe he'll do the full championship next year. What else could he potentially do as well? I think that's what's exciting about him is the potential. We know he's a you know he's a rally champion, a double world rally champion. But what else can he go out there and achieve? And and also something else to note as well from a human side of things, we've never had a champion this young. Mm. And what what happens in your mind when you have such success at such a young age? I mean, there's got to be, as Luke mentioned, you know that that the pressure that's on you, the expectation that is on you to deliver. Um, how do you process all of that? I thought he was brave to come out and, you know, say the things he did about, you know, it, it is a lot mentally to deal with. And it is, it absolutely is. You know, you've got the travel, the competition, but the expectation on your shoulders. 
I think is is pretty huge. And plus, you've got to remember, Kay doesn't live in Finland permanently, but he can't really go anywhere in Finland without being recognised. So, you know, you've got that element of going home and everyone knows who you are. Um, it's it's difficult, I'm sure, at that age to to deal with that kind of intensive pressure on your shoulders from people looking in at your life. I read some of the comments on his post um, and you always, you know, there was a lot of really positive ones and people were really understanding and, you know, looking forward to you back in the full season, but also looking forward to seeing what else you're going to do. But there were also some people who were like, I want you to entertain me, dance monkey. Why aren't you doing a full season? And they were like, Jesus, people. Um, so, yeah, good for him. Yeah, because like, you, you almost like with social media now, you're almost a performing puppy, you know, like, yeah, you know, doing another trick, doing another trick, you know, and this is, you know, this is the sad thing about it that people expect things that's just not humanly possible. Like, like at 22 years or 23 years of age, he wants to go out and have some fun. Yeah, and I think fun is is big on the list. But like Luke said, you know, from his Instagram stories, he's doing some very normal stuff at the moment, which is great. I mean, even kind of in the middle of the season last year, he'd come back from a test and he was at home watching Friends and he put that up on Instagram. He's massively into Friends. And you're like, yeah, he's just a normal 20, you know, in his 20s doing 20-year-old things. Oh, I can remember that dim and distant past. <laughs> <laughs> Luke is still in this. Luke, you still in your twenties? You are, aren't you? I am still in my twenties, but young. Yeah. Well, I'm, oh. at, I'm at I'm at that point in life where I'm struggling to accept that it's people achieving things that are younger than me. So Callie's not helping in that regard at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's quite exceptional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to your age. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'll make no further comment on that one. Again. It was smarter for me to not say anything at this point. But like, I think Sebastian Ogier has shown what a part program can do. Like, it may be stretched in the realms of possibility that Rovenberg could defend his title, but he could he'll certainly dictate the direction in which the title could go in twenty twenty four. I think it'll be interesting to see how many rallies he does because at this point we we don't know how full the calendar will be. We don't know if there'll be a scenario where it's a pure seat share with OJ or if there's a time where they might both do the same event. These are all things that we'll find out in, in due course. But you're right, it's an interesting one. Technically speaking, there is nothing stopping off a pair of becoming a three-time world champion next year. It's a very bizarre concept and it would take a lot of things to go wrong for others. But if he does enough, and you've got to assume he's going to be, be, sorry, be performing extremely well, given A, he's Kyrie of Impera, B, he's refreshed, and C, he's not going to be lumbered with the disadvantage of being first on the road on the difficult rally. So, as you said, we saw with OJ this year, that incredible scenario where he was essentially a championship contender despite missing a couple of the first few rallies. So, that's the benefit you can have by being in a different game, I guess, to the others. And that will always raise its own certain debates of, is this right for the championship, all this kind of stuff. But personally, I think it's quite a an entertaining dimension and dynamic to to have mm. there i guess if your your name is elvin evans terry newville or oit tanak you probably don't think the same but <laughs> it's it will be super interesting to see how well he performs and just what kind of version of cali we get will we see him slightly more relaxed just more at ease with everything i think potentially yes and that's not to suggest that he was a massively stressed character or looked burdened this year but i think this title campaign took quite a lot out of him he admitted at the end of Portugal, didn't you? That he'd had, I guess, some some personal things to deal with 
was in, in the lead up to the 23 season and stuff. So I think, as as we said before, I think he's he's in need of just a bit of a refresh to sort of discover other things. And I've no doubt that no matter how well he does next year or whoever takes the championship crown, he'll be very hard to stop Robin Perro doing it in 25, I would suspect. So he's, he's always going to be there, isn't he? Yeah, I think Bix, like OG has took the, you know done now the two part seasons, and from the outside looking in, he seems a different character now. He seems that kind of more chilled out, more relaxed vibe about him. But there's still that hard age to him, and he needs the the you know to pull in the belts and go that to get that extra tenth that's always there still. Oh yeah, I mean that fighting spirit is never going to go with Ogier, never ever. I mean it's it's there, and even though he is a little bit more chilled out, you're right because he's not fighting for the championship but when he gets a bee in his bonnet about getting a win at an event he is full-on feisty um he's back to the OGA who was fighting for a championship you know he wants to be on the top step of the podium uh, they all do that's why they do it uh they wouldn't be there otherwise I've enjoyed seeing him do a partial program actually I'd like him to come back and, and do a full-time season but in the same breath as me saying that I would also like to see the youngsters starting to come up as well. But for me, if if drivers like Ogier and, you know, Loeb, when we saw him come back into the championship, if they've still got it, why can't we see it? What we need is more cars and more teams to be able to to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, Ogier next year will be an interesting one. So will Rob and Pera, but neither of them will win the championship. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's crushed my hopes and dreams, Bex. Sorry, like, sorry, Luke. <laughs> sorry. I'm going to go the opposite of you, haven't I? I'm going to go the opposite. Just to add quickly on Oje, if I can, I think for me what's been really fascinating is, is as we said, he all he wants to do now is win rallies, and that's always been the case, but there's no, aside from obviously Toyota's manufacturer's campaign, there there is nothing else that matters. So the biggest difference I've noticed with him now is if he has a, a puncture or a problem that before where he was always great was salvaging results from bad weekends but that's effectively to him meaningless now because all he wants mm. to do the championship doesn't matter the points he gets don't matter he just wants to win rallies it's been quite interesting to see that play out when he's yeah. winning he's he's happy when he's not winning he's potentially almost more frustrated than before because he feels like he's not getting anything out of it if he's not winning then he'd be as well being at home with his with his boy wouldn't he so it's it's been interesting to see, but I too am very glad he's still around because he's still absolutely got it. I think that's very clear. Yeah, and he's he's world class in the way he conducts himself as well. He's he's a fantastic ambassador for the championship. You know, when Ogier speaks, everyone listens. Mm. Um, he's got such a great way of a, promoting himself, the championship Toyota. But he can also be, I know Luke loves a good stage and he can be very fiery at stage ends when things have gone wrong. Um, and yeah, he can be, as as Luke also mentioned, really, really down in his boots when the opportunity to win has gone, then it's like he just doesn't want to be there. We've seen that on a few occasions this year. But what I loved seeing as well at the Safari Rally was him getting his hands dirty, mm. helping the mechanics to to fix the car. Um, at the midpoint service on Saturday and really getting into it um, and showing us the Ogier who who is a proper competitor. You know, he will put his hand up and say he's not the best mechanic out of the group of drivers that we've got here, but he will always have a crack at things. And I love seeing that about him because he's not just the, you know, the eight-time world champion who has the posh shades and, you know, has this air of grandeur about him. He is a very real character and he gets down to the groundwork as well and we saw that this season again 
And just sticking with Toyota just for a little bit longer, and this is probably not phrased that eloquently, but was it a comeback year for Elvin? Um, you know, he didn't seem comfortable in the Rally 1 cars last year. This year, he finished second in the championship. And is there a bit more of a spotlight then on Elvin going into next year with, with Cali doing a part program? Uh, I would say something happened in Finland this year. The Finland win was important for Elvin. Something changed from that point in the season, for me anyway, watching him onwards. Um, you know, the win in Croatia was hugely emotional. Um, and I think for many of us looking back at that rally, it felt like we were all floating through it because it didn't feel real at the time, given what had just happened with Craig. Um, that was an incredible win. But I don't know, there's something changed in him in Finland onwards. This confidence, this, this ease, this naturalness about his driving has returned. Whereas it seemed very forced and he seemed to be, it felt like he was overdriving sometimes. Mm. And that natural speed, which he has in abundance, wasn't showing. And he was getting frustrated by it. And then it just clicked and it changed. And I think, yeah, for me, Elvin is the man to beat next year. Um, he is the one that they are all going to be fighting against. I'm really interested to see how Tanak performs back at Hyundai because he was super strong with them in the, the latter half of the season uh, before he left. Um, and I think the dynamic, between, I know I'm moving on to a team here, but the dynamic between him and Thierry moving into next year, I'm keen to see that as well. There's there's lots of interesting stuff to talk about. But for me, Elvin is the man to beat next year. And look, your views on, on, on you know, Elvin and, and the pressure he might face next year. It's an interesting point about Finland that Bex made, I must say, because I hadn't really thought about it in that regard. But I guess particularly to win in Finland anyway, regardless of your the context, is always a big thing for a driver. It's like the one you're going to win, isn't it? So he's done it twice mm. now, which is huge. Um, but that was a rally where he won himself. There was no ifs, buts, maybes, no mitigating factors, no nothing. Nobody could take that from it. Elvin won that because he was the quickest driver over the however many stages there were, which is a huge thing. And he hadn't really done that in Rally 1. I guess, as you mentioned as well, Betts, Croatia was just an extremely difficult weekend. As much as it was maximum points, it wasn't really a win. If you remember, it wasn't about... The performance almost didn't matter, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah. It quickly got forgotten, but... Uh, the stat I love about Elvin this year is, and I've sat and worked it out, and it's marginal, but this was <laughs> his best ever campaign in WRC statistically. Stay in terms of, I'm not sure about stages, but in terms of rally wins, in terms of points scored, no one, mm. not even 2021 beat this one, which I think is quite telling. And again, it goes back to that expectation thing. If this was Elvin of a few years ago, we'd all be amazed and surprised and toasting everything he'd done. But now, because we expect this level of him, it almost goes a bit unnoticed i just hope that the pressure totally. doesn't yeah i just hope that the pressure of next year doesn't get to him too much and i don't think it's the kind of driver that's going to look too much into what any of us are saying about his chances or anything but it's he's in a unique position now because before he's had he's had oj as his teammate then oj sort of stepped back robin perra came in and took the mantle he is now and Toyota never have a number one driver but in terms of a driver's championship he and I, I don't mean it disrespectfully towards Taka because Taka's making great progress and he might well surprise us all. But I suspect Elvin will be 
their best hope in the driver's challenge. He essentially has a clear run at it from a Toyota perspective. So it's a different dynamic for him, but I do truly believe he's up to it. Obviously, with a season, you can't sit here and predict what's going to happen with 13 rounds when it's not even 2024. (laughs) We're still in 23. But yeah, I I think for me, the two key things are how well he starts and how well or how not well the two Hyundai drivers fare against each other. Shall we put it like that? Is that diplomatic? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Wow. You could be a politician. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And I suppose then we should mention as Takasan as well. Um, Like... uh, you know, probably on paper, it didn't look as good a year as the previous year. But in reality, I think he took a step forward. And I think Japan really showed that that the pace is definitely on the up. Japan was... Oh. I mean, you have you have turning points for drivers, I think, when you look back over the years and you can pick rallies where that was a turning point for this driver, that, this element. And I, I'm hoping, I really feel that Chan was a massive turning point for Taco. It was like this, this huge step up. Some drivers take a step. He took four in Japan to be able to rack up those stage wins. The confidence, the commitment in some of the worst conditions we've ever seen, rain-wise on a tarmac rally. It was insane. But he was just blinkered. He had one goal and one goal in mind. He wanted the top step. And if it hadn't been for that Bloody spin, then maybe he would have been. I mean, it's lucky not to go off where Sordo and Formo were. Um, but then it was, I want to win as many stages as possible. It's such a fantastic job. And I think that confidence boost from that rally alone, forget the rest of the season, I think you could just wipe it away. Because on that rally alone, I am so excited to see what he can do in 2024. And I, I think everyone should be, because... That is going to be a monumental confidence boost, and he is a confidence driver. I'm actually just sad for him that he hasn't got a rally immediately after Japan to to build on it on because it, it's yeah. amazing. he hit that form and then he's got to have the break and everything. But you're completely right. I think I just hope and Taka. We all are big critics of ourselves, but Taka is the kind of guy that he'd find the one negative within the, within the 99 positives. Like he always is looking <laughs> for self-improvement, which is a great trait you need to have to, to reach the top. But I just really sincerely hope that somebody's in his ear and saying, Taka, look what you did. You were mm. completely fair and square, beating the world's best drivers. And to do that on us at home must have felt really special. As you said, I guess the result was just a crying shame because I think he would have been at the very least in the fight for the win. Whether he could have got it, we can't sit here and confidently say so. But yeah. Yeah, it was. I think that is a big sign. I just hope he can now find a way to perform consistently. I think is the big challenge for Taka now. There's been a few rallies this year, and Estonia and Finland were the strange ones for me. Estonia, we've not seen him that low in a while, and then he comes mm-hmm. back in Finland two weeks later and grabs a podium. So yeah, he's got it. It's just finding that on every rally now will be his challenge, and I'm more than sure that he's able to do it because the progression he's made since he first stepped up to this level was huge. If you think mm. back to where he was three or four years ago. So mm. I think big things ahead for him as well. I think he's mentioned quite a few times, you know, he's trying to find consistency in his drive. And for me, he, he yes, he does need that, but he also needs to find consistency of mindset because yeah. he can plunge into these deep lows. And Aaron does a brilliant job of, you know, beating up and patting him on the back when he's done well. And, you know, he's a great psychological coach alongside him, but, Taka does seem to have these big highs and then these lows. He just needs to find the consistency in how he approaches things. And 
I think that would help as well. Sure, sure. And then, like you looking across the the, the product, then to Hyundai, the new, the new, the, the old new partnership, maybe would be the way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's gonna that's, that's gonna the, be pretty special, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. like it's going to be interesting. You know, will Cyril be able to keep a cap on the fireworks, or where's it going to go in twenty twenty four? It's going to be exciting watching it. <laughs> I think so, but I think one thing to m- mention is that Hyundai have got a killer team going into 2024. I mean, yes. Cyril has done an epic job with that lineup because you look at it, you've got Neville, you've got Tanak, Lappy is back, we'll see Sordo, Mickelson, who, you know, we've all been questioning when is he going to get his opportunity again? And, you know, I recorded a podcast with him just before he won the WRC2 title in uh, Central European, and, and he said, look, I'm I've got nothing. You know, before we started, I was like, honestly, now, is there anything you can tell me? Or is are you talking to anyone? He's like, there is nothing at the moment. So that came together very, very quickly. Um, and I, great for Andreas, but what an incredible team. And the behind-the-scenes work they've been doing as well with Apex de Maison, you know, coming on board. And we didn't see him really on the last few events of the year because he was back at base in Alzenau, you know, working for, for 2024. I think it's going to be fascinating to see the the whole thing come together because they have a goal in mind. It's the manufacturer's title. It's the driver's title. And right now you've got to look at it and go, well, they put it all in place, ready to go. And it would be hard to bet against them moving forward. But like Luke says, there's 13 rounds to go. We don't know how anyone's going to play out yet. But it's exciting just to just to think about the battles that we could see. Maybe you want to take that one on? Yeah, I guess to echo what Beck said in the sense of I think Cyril's job has been immense and it's obviously we all know the world he's come from in Formula One that gives him plenty of managerial experience, gives him plenty of motorsport experience. But he was the first one to admit that he didn't he's not a rally man. It's not something he's grown up with, it's something he's had to learn throughout the last year. So if you bear that in mind and the sort of grip he's now got on this team, I think is genuinely remarkable and he's been great value for people like me to get stories out of I have to say he's always got something good to say which is always helpful he's a great talker he's a great he's talker. a very good talker very bad to transcribe though because he talks very fast so Cyril, if you are listening if you can slow down a tiny bit that would be helpful but yeah I, I think as you said Bex as well that lineup they've got next year all five of the rally winners for a start which is an incredible sort of stat to have in there yes. you've got the a very clear structure about how things are working. You've got your two full-time cars that are going for the Drivers' Championship. You've got the third car that's being shared essentially as the wingman, the support act to, to help the other two drivers and, and help the Manufacturers' Championship. Everything is looking like it's now in place. And I think regardless of what's going on at the other two teams, you look at this and think this is arguably Hyundai's best chance ever. You factor in the fact that M Sports lineup's a bit weaker than it was this year, you factor in the fact that Robin Perra is taking a step back and it, it starts to make your head wonder if this really could be their year next year. They've got, I'm repeating myself now, but generally it looks like they've got everything in place. We've, we've skirted around it, I guess. The challenge now is making sure they've got two full-time drivers that can get on well and get the best from each other because I guess that's the, the fear is friendly fire at this point now, isn't it? If they get in the way of each other and essentially <laughs> stop the result yeah. It'll be interesting, but it's great. We love that. It's a fantastic story to 
to follow. Um, and, and as you said, Bex, it's, it's only been a year that Tanak's been away, which is quite weird to think about. So I remember when the press release came out in October, would have been October, it was Spain time in 22. And to think that he's now back already is is, is quite something, isn't it? So the world boost yeah. not man. I mean, I remember when that press release came through because we were all at dinner on Sunday night to rally Spain. You know, rally over, everything's done. And then, you know, our communications guy got a message through saying from Hyundai, there's a press release coming out in five minutes' time. And it was like, what? What do you mean five minutes' time? He left dinner to go and pipe out. I'm sure, Luke, you were like... Oh, yeah, I was sat in the airport departures. And I thought, oh, what you wanted there is to chill out. And then, nope, you got a laptop out, get it all sorted. So, yeah, it was exactly. It was and it's only, been, it's only been a year. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, M Sport and Oitanak, you know, the wins on the board, but it, it didn't go the way I think either of them expected. M Sport wanted more and, and Oit wanted more. And it's a partnership which has come to an end now. And, you know, Hyundai's game again. Um, and interesting moving forward. I don't think, you know, everyone would look at Thierry and Oid and go, oh, you know, they, they've been head to head over the years. I don't think they have to get along. Um, you know, they they just need to deliver for the team. But it's what Luke said. It's getting in the way of each other could, could be a bit of an issue. Um, but as long as they deliver for the team, Cyril is not going to care whether they are giving each other a hug at the end of the rally or not. But there seems to be an almost like a, a like a ceasefire between them. There's a, there is a, a more friendly rapport between them. I've noticed now. Like maybe there is a thaw on those. <laughs> the, the you think? You think? <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not for long. <laughs> I, I think you know they were in, they've been in different teams this year. It's been it's been different. Obviously, it's it's how they are with each other when they get back together. And I think maybe we put maybe too much emphasis on it. But then. It's a story to tell. And what do the drivers keep saying at the moment? Oh, you need to be telling these stories. And you tell them and then you get shot down for, ah, oh, you're making up stories. Ah, oh, I don't know what to do for the best. Um, I think we're all in that position as, as journalists. But to be honest, it's not something that's massively on my radar, the whole Thierry Tanak thing. I'm excited to see Tanak back with the team. Because, you know, you've got to remember the back half of the season that he had with Hyundai before he mm. left and how incredible that was for him. I'm excited to see Tanak get back to championship title rival ways again because I want to see them. Or, you know, I'd like to be, everyone would out there, be in the position come the end of the season, going into the final round, and we've got a four-way battle for the title. God, I'd love that. You know, mm-hmm. we used to have that. Yeah. And not that long ago either. It, we can have that. Yeah, um, the championship needs it. We need that. You know, the, you know, yeah. the, it'll it'll help sell the 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 championship to the, the wider world. Marketing battle, like when we've had OJ and and Elvin, or even Rovenpera and Elvin. It's still an exciting battle. It's up to us to tell that story. But the more the merrier, the more drivers you get with the possibility of winning, then the better. Um, you know, Australia, was it 2018? Where we, we go into the final round and there's there's Tanak, there's Terry, there's, there's Ogier, and they're all battling it out together. That was a fantastic story to tell. Um, you know, yeah, we, we need more of that. 
And starting to look ahead to to next year, you know, with the the we've we've had the announcement of the the restructuring of the points, and also the potential for the the non hybrid rally ones. What's your thoughts on on how that will help maybe liven up the championship and we move away maybe from the cruising through the early stages on a Sunday while people are saving tires for you know power stage. Sundays, Sundays have been the bane, I think, of the championship. For, for a while now because of that, because of the tyre saving. No one wants to tune into a programme where they're watching drivers driving slowly. Drivers don't want to drive slowly. And the solution never was to put in an extra tyre fitting zone because they'll just save the car instead. Like, for example, at Safari Rally, where it, it is a you know a difficult terrain, or in Greece, they won't go full pelt because they'll save the car. So an extra tyre fitting zone would have made absolutely no difference whatsoever. I think the extra point scoring is interesting and you know it's it's from a collaboration of everyone coming together to to put these ideas in place to brainstorm the drivers the teams the promoter the FIA everyone has worked really hard to try and come up with a solution to make Sunday interesting and I, there was a raft of ideas on the board for this you know do we just have one stage on a Sunday do we make a Sunday a far longer day in the end, it's a, it's a point restructure, which, you know, we need to make everyone okay with when we get to Monte Carlo. And it'll take, I'm sure, a few rallies for everyone to get up to speed with how it all works, myself included. Um, and who knows how it's going to play out? We can't predict right now. But change is always looked on as sometimes a little bit scary or it's good. And I think in this case, we need to see how it plays out, see how the drivers feel about it, see how the audience feel about it. Is it being reflected properly? But we needed to do something. It couldn't go on the way it was. And look, is it going to make your job harder? You know, you're, you're doing your your, <laughs> your Saturday wrap-ups and then into Sunday and it's a constantly shifting, you know, backdrop of, of who's going to come out championship leader at the end of each event. I'm going to buy Luca an abacus for, for a desk <laughs> so we can just move all the, you know, Saturday points, Sunday points. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold you to that. I might need that. <laughs> You're too young to know what an abacus is, actually. It's <laughs> just Googling it there. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. I, I'm a man of culture. I'm aware of what an abacus is. But, uh, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think for the pure rally fans, they'll they'll snap onto it pretty quickly. I think my... And I'm being very careful not to have any preconceptions because we don't know how it's going to work in practice. My only fear is trying to explain this to people that maybe aren't so familiar with how rallying works. If you have the, I guess the worst case scenario here is if somebody wins the rally but doesn't take maximum points, which is possible with the way this has worked out now. Arguably, does that matter? I don't know if it does in a way. It's as long as everybody understands what's at stake and what's in play, then that's all that, that matters. I just think it's worth reiterating what, what Bex has said and that I think it's great that something has been done because it would have been easy to sit here and, and not try and focus it. I think everybody's been aware that it, it has been a problem. So something has been done about it. Whether it works, we'll find out. If it doesn't, I'm sure then there'll be a change. So mm. that's the key thing for me is that these things are now being discussed and are being implemented and are being thought about, which if we are wanting to boost the, the championship's health to the capacity we all know it can be at, then this is the kind of thing we need to be doing. We need to be brave enough to to make these changes and that's what's happened. So 
we I guess equally wait Monte Carlo. We've got the the different scenario of, of working out working out a Sunday. As Beck said, it probably will take a while to to get used to. But it's like everything. When the Paris stage first came along, there've been a lot mm-hmm. of people that turned around and thought this isn't going to work, and look at it now. So we ha- I think we do have to wait a few rallies mm-hmm. and see how it works before we can have strong opinions either side of the fence. I'd say diplomatic again that from me. Oh, <laughs> love that! I love it. But no, you, you are absolutely bang on. We, we have no idea at this point, and you know you, what everyone out there, I, I guess, has got to remember is it's just it's new to all of us. You know, this this has only really come in the last few weeks that it's absolutely been signed off and decided. So, trying to get your head around it now without actually seeing it in practice is is pretty difficult. So let's see. And I suppose yes, just wrapping it up now. Predictions for next year. <laughs> Luke, Luke, do you want to go he's, first? I like that passing the buck. Yeah, he's, he's caught us out there. Although, Connor, uh, you haven't. I'm going to be. I'm going to buy myself time to think about it. You've said predictions, but you haven't said predictions for what. So, if I can have some more, I left it open. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? That's actually a very good point, Miss Marple. Luke. You can't say exactly what. Uh, okay, so I will predict that Tacker will win his first rally in 2024. Okay, that's I like a good it. One. Yeah, that's good. I'm trying to think of something interesting now. Now, Beck's gone for a different angle. I will say, and it's a bit boring, but I think Toyota will still win manufacturers. Despite Hyundai's big lineup, I still, I still think that's Toyota's. I'm not brave enough to go down the driver's route, but I don't think it'll be a driver in a Puma. We don't know who's driving a Puma <laughs> at time of recording, so I'll say that. <laughs> very brave of you. Thank I suppose you, it would be very reversible for us to finish off this without the Irish angle. There's talk of WRC Ireland 2025. Uh, that's not, by no means a done deal yet, but I think it would be something that would be very welcome back in the championship base. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, I know it, a number of years um, that Ireland, Northern Ireland, first up was trying to, to get a deal together. And I know Bobby Willis worked extremely hard on that to try and make that happen. And now it's shifted base to potentially a rally in Ireland. And I'm hugely excited by it. I love rallying in Ireland, as you know. And I loved my time working on the Irish Tarmac Championship. So I know the kind of stages you have over there. And I think for WRC to come back and to be somewhere different, maybe down in the south, um, would be like further south, I mean, not just across the border, actually, you know, down in... Geographically, yeah. Who knows, you know. County Cork, County Kerry, who knows, um, would be extremely exciting. Um, there's a lot of fever behind it at the moment. There's a lot of chat, and I love to see that. Um, and there will be a lot of fans that would attend that event. That is one thing for sure. And look, your thoughts on it, you're a, a closet Irish rally fan as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not hitting it that well. I have been. In fairness, I've been one of these people that will always die on the hill that tarmac rallying is better than gravel. And it earns me a lot of hate, but I don't care. That's just my opinion. <laughs> so if there's an extra tarmac rally in the championship, then great. If it's Iowa, then brilliant, because we all know how much passion there is for it. I think it would certainly be unique, mm. which is, again, something we want. Um, 
speaking from a UK perspective as well, it's not a, a return of, of a GB, but it's the closest thing we're going to get for a while, I suspect. So that would be positive. And I think above all else, if we can look back to what we talked about at the start of the podcast, I think Ireland needs this. If I'm honest, there's been a lot of positivity anyway within the achievements of Will Crichton and things like that, but it's been a, a difficult year in general. So I think any kind of positivity to come back to the community in Ireland would be great. Um, but yeah, I think it would certainly be a very unique challenge. But all new rallies are great, is is another thing to say. So regardless of where it is, I'm all for it. Kevin, really enjoyed the conversation we had with X and Look. And, you know, it was such a lovely reflection of Craig at the beginning of the conversation as well. For sure, you know, like the way that Bex spoke about, you know, you just know the affection that was there. And, you know, it wasn't just a one-way street, you know, there was obviously a great, you know, admiration for Bex from Craig as well, too, when you hear the stories. Yeah, no, no, genuinely. And, and you know, when the time is right, it'd be nice to, to maybe have a, a podcast dedicated to Craig, when, you know. When, when I think we're all in a position to to talk about him properly and and listen to what everybody has to say as well. Yeah, because the the you know Bex only touched on the surface of it, but the, you know we still miss him to this day, you know, and it's still but it's great that he's still in our memory. Absolutely, listen exactly. Um, it's it's good that that we still remember him. Okay, and you know again, thanks to to Bex and Luke for taking their time to chat with us and give us that a bit of insight. Uh, you know, it's lovely to to get that behind the scenes information you wouldn't otherwise hear, or or the thoughts you wouldn't otherwise hear. Yeah, because that's what we've always said about the podcast. You know, we we hope and we think that you know the people watching and listening to this. They know the results from the rally, you know, they, they, they have a fair bit of knowledge, but, you know, we're not going to be repeating, you know, who finished first, second and third. We want to talk to the people that finished first, second and third, or, you know, the, the, the story behind the story. And it's always great to get these different insights on the, the sport as well. That's it. It's bringing the background to, you know, what the engineers have to say, what the commentators have to say, what, you know, the co-drivers have to say or the sponsors or the tire guys, whatever it is. It's bringing that piece of, of extra information that, you know, makes everybody that bit more knowledgeable about what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. So that was the catch up with Bix and Luke. So until the next thing, take care, speak soon and bye. <laughs>